0: Hello and welcome to Video Rethinking Resources, a podcast series brought to you by the Natural Resources and Energy Sector Group at Accounting Farm Video UK. My name is Martina Petrosino, I'm the Business Development Manager for the Sector Group and your host for this podcast series. In this series, we will share views and insights on hot topics, trends and commercial developments concerning the oil and gas, mining and renewable energy sectors. We will talk to sector experts across a broad range of focus areas, both within BDO and the external market. I hope you enjoyed this series. If there are any issues or topics you would like us to discuss, please do get in touch. Welcome to the first episode of Video Rethinking Resources. Today is Friday the 19th of June and this is Martina Petrosino, your host. On this episode, I'm joined by audit partners at BDO UK, Louise Sayers, head of the natural resources and energy sector, Ryan Ferguson, specializing in oil and gas and mining, Matt Crane, head of the mining sector and Mark Reinecke, head of the renewables and power sector. In varying ways and at various levels, the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted all sectors globally. When it comes to the natural resources and energy sector as a whole, some industries have fared better than others. Today, we discuss how the pandemic has hit companies operating across oil and gas, mining and renewable energy. Some of the measures they have put in place to react and possible areas of focus going forward, both for companies and their funders. Thank you all for joining me today. Energy and basic materials play an essential role in our everyday activities, both in the developed and in the developing world. So in a society where normal activity has slowed down considerably, it's only natural that the natural resources and energy sector as a whole gets affected in a way or another. On this note, my first question goes to Louise. Louise, broadly speaking, what are some of the main ways in which the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted the oil and gas, mining and renewable energy sectors?
1: Thanks, Martina. At a high level, there have obviously been different impacts on different parts of the sector. Take, for example, pricing issues, particularly in the oil and gas sector. The International Energy Agency has told the market to brace itself for the lowest oil demand in 25 years because of the global lockdown across numerous countries and territories, which has or are still in place, in order to try and contain the CV19 virus. April was the month that it was anticipated that oil demand would fall to its lowest level since 1995. On the flip side of pricing in the oil and gas sector, gold has seen an increase in demand as it is the perceived safe haven investment commodity. It is the basic economics of supply and demand which is glaringly obviously being reflected in the sector as a whole at the moment. Negative prices for oil paying to take away as there's too much supply. Demand for gold and prices have reportedly soared by almost a 1000% in the last few weeks as there is an increase in demand. For renewables, I am sure Mark will come on to the detail later, but there's been reporting that the signing of long-term power purchase agreements has slowed, as the likelihood of recession creates uncertainty over future demand in the market players. Renewables will continue to grow as part of our energy mix, but there will no doubt be questions about how this looks in a post-CV19 world, and what this means for the viability of solar and wind projects.
0: Thanks, Louise. Actually, picking up on some of your points, uh, let's focus for a moment on the oil and gas sector. As extensively reported over the last few months, oil prices have been significantly impacted, not only due to changes in demand, but also geopolitical issues and the filling up of storage capacity. The situation is now slowly improving as strict lockdown measures across some countries have been lifted and as OPEC Plus came to an agreement to make significant output cuts. But with all of this happening, it has been a pretty tumultuous time for companies in the sector. Ryan, how has the industry coped? How would you actually describe the last few months?
2: Thanks, Martina. Uh, I think it's fair to say challenging is probably the, the shortest description. Um, it's been really challenging for them. The the most significant impact, as you'd expected, in that that sharp kind of drop in oil prices and, and the impact on cash flow and the uncertainty as to how quickly it will come back and what that oil price profile is going to look like for the short to medium term. But I think it's important to remember that oil and gas companies are, are well versed in reacting quickly to price volatility. In a way, it's nothing new to them. Uh, we've seen companies moving quickly to reduce costs. There'd been deep cost cutting during the previous kind of low oil price environment. But some of that fat was starting to creep back in and they've gone straight into tackling that. We've also seen a lot of non-essential capital expenditure effectively put on pause whilst the companies recut their field plans and focused on cash cash conservation and essentially took stock of where they were at. That's had a knock-on impact onto the oil services sector, probably other than those that are focused on real business-critical services and health and safety aspects of that work. The final thing that st- stood out is all of the companies have moved quickly to try to secure and prote- protect liquidity. So those with available facilities drew down on them. Uh, they wanted the cash in the bank, not just a promise of an available facility down the line. The juniors, uh, the junior end of the market, it, they found it more challenging and obviously, but we're seeing an increased number of approaches from the alternative uh, lenders into those uh, companies and, and their are reporting being contacted quite widely at the moment.
0: Thanks, Ryan. Yes, well, these are tough times indeed and it will be interesting to see what happens to oil prices over the next few months and as we get through this reaction phase. Uh, but now, turning our attention to the mining industry, Despite it being overall also fairly impacted, some commodities seem to have fared better than others. As already mentioned, gold, for example, is one of them. Matt, as the head of the mining team here at BDO, can you please explain what has contributed to the good performance of gold? And also, what do you see happen in the future for the commodity?
3: Thanks, Martina. As Louise already noted, gold is traditionally seen as a safe haven investment. And clearly, with the C19 pandemic, that's thrust gold back into the spotlight and seen the price of gold increase. There are a number of different reasons for this. If you look at the statistics put out by the World Gold Council in April for FY20, quarter one, total gold demand only grew 1% year on year. However, this does not tell the whole story. As demand for gold back investments, ETFs, Increased to record levels, and this was able to offset a slump in demand for gold in consumer industries such as jewellery, which was down 39% year on year. Demand for gold backed investments surged during the pandemic due to other safe haven investments such as government bonds and currency becoming less attractive and more volatile. And this is likely to continue as we move through more global economic uncertainty. On the flip side to this, supply in Q1 2020 was down 4%, as restrictions brought in by the pandemic led to some isolated mine ins, government restrictions on movement, impacting both mine supply chains and getting commodities off mine sites. Plus, there was also a reduced activity at smelters for a period of time, which all impacted upon gold supply. Again, this disruption is likely to continue through 2020 as the pandemic spreads and impacts different areas of the world at different times, and fears of a second wave remain. The result of all this is that gold pricing has seen an increase up to $1,750 per ounce from a low of $1,450 per ounce back in mid-March. This means that despite the operational issues some companies might have been facing with Covid, the overall gains have been pretty strong. The resilience of gold is also helped by the fact that mining for this commodity, unlike others, is geographically dispersed, so you don't get such a pronounced impact on the commodity price if the pandemic hits a particular region. What remains uncertain is how demand and supply will continue to impact on the price over the next 6 to 12 months. So whilst gold has remained a bright spot through the pandemic, I don't think there's much expectation for wholesale investment into the gold mining sector. CapEx and exploration budgets remain low companies are really just concentrating on their current operations. It would take a real sustained period of strong pricing to open up that investment.
0: Thanks, Matt. Yes, these are very interesting points, especially considering the uncertainty around future investments and depending on how supply and demand continue to impact prices. I guess staying on the topic of resilience, but moving on to a different sector, the renewable energy sector. A lot has been reported lately on the resilience of it over the last few months, but is there really the full picture? Uh, How has the sector really been affected and what should we expect in the future? This is a question for Mark, of course, and also to add to that question something that many of us keep wondering about. What's your view of the effects of the pandemic on the energy transition? Will most governments, investors and private companies around the world take this as an opportunity to accelerate the energy transition? Or will investments in fossil fuels actually increase as a result of low prices? What what do you think?
4: Thank you, Martina. Um, Well, I think looking at the big picture, one thing which we have been witnessing is that a side effect of the pandemic is that it's become clear what impact human activity has on the environment so people are, are reading and, and either experience in them themselves or seeing reports on tv about the air being being cleaner rivers and, and water being cleaner and less pollution overall so so clearly this could um accelerate the, the transition to to a cleaner world now At the same time, there is a global recession going on and and that hasn't gone unnoticed by the new energy community. So what what we're seeing is that impact on investment and capital expenditure is down by around 10%. And that that is mainly due to things like supply chains being disrupted. So if if you have existing projects and, and you need to get the The solar panels the wind turbine need need to be brought onto site that that's that's been more difficult financing um has been more challenging and and there's a general uncertainty which which has also been been caused by the um electricity prices falling so we've seen in parts of the uk we've seen negative electricity prices due to um a reduction in, in demand Having said all that, I think looking at the the total—if you look at the total returns of an equity portfolio and the renewables, um, comparing that to, to fossil fuels, fuels they've fared very well. And I I think the the sector is 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 very resilient. And if, if you look at the um, when when less electricity is consumed, the, the merit order is that the the consumption is is firstly taken from renewable sources uh, rather than coal. So in, in my view in the in the long term, the um I I, I don't see this having a negative impact on the renewable sector.
0: Thanks, Mark. Um well it's great you're staying positive. And of course we will also see what happens in the area of public policies all around the world. Hopefully the energy transition gets a lot of support. Um, So, so far, it's been really fascinating to hear about synergies and the differences across the sectors. And we've covered quite a bit of ground uh, about the overall impact of the pandemic on these industries. But of course, at BDO, we work with the companies themselves. So the explorers, the producers and the asset owners and developers. And I know that over the last few months, you have all been very close to your clients. So um, you have heard uh, everything about how uh, they have been reacting. So perhaps starting from Ryan and Louise covering the oil and gas sector to Matt covering mining in Denmark, uh, renewables. How have companies across these industries been impacted on a, an actual practical level?
2: I think one uh, one of the things that I've noticed, particularly within the mining sector, is that those companies that had previously kind of experienced a world health crisis. Um, say Ebola in West Africa uh, were in a, a much kind of better position to start from they, they typically had the kind of crisis committees in place they had procedures that they've been able to roll out very quickly to introduce uh, kind of testing on sites and kind of temperature monitoring uh, and I think in a way that's given some of the both the, the teams that operate on but also the the governments and the countries that they to work with comfort that they they had the experience and were going about things the right way, despite the uncertainty that the current crisis has brought.
1: I think there's also a, a, an obvious point around uh, potential shutting down of operations, which for some has just been an absolute needs must. You've got closely confined underground spaces, mean that there's a real potential for the virus to spread. For others, rotation and shift pattern management has meant that the challenges can be managed and operations can continue as normal as possible. (laughs) There is is another side to to what companies in the sector have actually learned, because there are reports at the moment that in some regions where there's been a historic fly in, fly out worker regime, that, that those workers are now being encouraged to settle in those areas in order to stimulate local economies. Whatever companies have had to, whatever way companies have had to manage their operations, they'll have learned something during this time. And, and it's really clear that there will be a new way of working in this sector going forward.
2: Louise, you make the point around kind of shutting down of operations. I suppose one of the observations on the, on the oil and gas side, at least, has been there's in practice, but seems to have been very limited full shutdowns. Um, I think because this, those industries have typically been designated as strategically critical to the, to the economies that they're, they're based in, and um, ultimately people want to keep the lights on. I think it, having said that, it's not been without challenges. So, uh, as you know, there's been careful separation of shift teams to reduce kind of cross infection, um, and a, a, a real push to roll out kind of testing regimes and testing centres.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely true. And I, I guess the point is that people are looking to protect jobs as much as they can you know, in all these sorts of situations, you know, particularly where there's a global recession looming or here on the net here and now. Um, staff cuts has got to be one of the first things on people's minds. But it's one of the hardest considerations for many, many businesses to, to go through. Um, but labour is the biggest cost in most businesses. Um, companies obviously had the opportunities to use schemes such as furlough arrangements, putting in reduced hours, temporary pay cuts, you know, from the big bosses to those, through, to those on the ground. Um, there is evidence of companies trying and doing everything they can. You know, just why wouldn't you in this sort of situation? You've got to look to protect as many jobs as you, you possibly can to help stimulate the economy when the world has returned to its new form. And I guess the same the same goes for supply chain challenges. You know the challenges around the managing your supply chain are also really wide ranging. Um, you've got your delivery of suppliers. You know that some of that's in the suppliers' gift or it's not. To change the terms, you've got payment terms when cash is precious to everyone. Terms and in the interpretation of those terms, such as force majeure, act of God. What do they actually mean in reality when we're faced with these? Once in a once in a generation lifetime era. Um, situations. It's, this is probably an area where companies also feel more of an obligation on both sides. They need you. You need them. And it takes management time to work through the ramifications of issues around supply chain. It, it, it's a really tough area, just like people.
3: I think um, Ryan has already mentioned in regards to mining companies. Um, Some points around social policy. Um, And we saw this back in 2014, 2016, with mining companies' responses to the Ebola epidemic in West Africa and the the focus on social care and social policy. So, practically, that means um, in terms of their own employees and keeping their own, ensuring their own employees are safe and and vigilant on, on the mine site, looking at upgrading testing, medical care, and really importantly, education. But also, what more can be done with the local communities who live in and around mine sites, um, and clearly, this is an area where mining companies can give back more in the future and will certainly become more of a focus upon their their social policies
4: yeah it's, it's an interesting point Matt around um, also around working the ability to to work remotely. Um, so, if, if you look at the the renewable sector, there's clearly the the assets which are operational. So, if you think of a typical solar or wind farm, it, it doesn't really need that much human input, and these assets are are doing fairly well through the crisis because they can they can continue generating. There are other other forms of uh, renewable energy, um, which, for for example, if if you look at energy from waste plants. Who are really struggling with um with fuel supply so a uh, biomass wood wood plant or um, a plant a burning rdf or refuse derived fuel is, is reliant on 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 the waste coming from the households um from from the construction sites so we're seeing the, these these businesses having having issues with uh, with the fuel supply
3: I think that um ability to Um, work remotely also comes through um, as an impact on, on, as it does on all companies, but on the mining side where um, you've got key employees and management who've had to need to operate remotely and ensuring that efficiency is maintained. Um, So we've seen that with mining companies maybe having to upgrade key IT infrastructure, um, reducing that travel to and from mine sites, using charter flights rather than commercial flights wherever possible, so the company can control um, who the employees have contact with Um, and these are all the kind of measures that um, companies are having to introduce at the or have introduced at the early stage of the pandemic to try and um, bring some stability where people have to work remotely away from 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 the mine sites Um, and linked to that also is that I think mining companies have had to look at um, the reliance on international experts and where they can balance this out a bit more with the local talent that is in, in the local market. Um, I think this is as mining companies look to measures that can make them more resilient, then balancing that reliance um, in the short term will make a difference.
0: Thanks, everyone. Well, all of these issues are definitely quite challenging, but some of you also refer to the learnings and the potential areas for improvement coming out of this crisis. The word resilience in particular, which we have heard extensively over the the last few months, uh, seems quite applicable here. So just looking at the opportunities and the learnings, my final question goes to Louise. Um, Louise, what would you say the main priorities at the top of management teams' agendas are going to be over the next few months and and
1: years? Big question, Martina, that one. Um, There are lots of areas for management and companies in the sector to think about, as you said, but if I had to pick my top areas of focus, I would say crisis management, and under this heading I would put the planning for and identifying the lessons learned from this pandemic including ensuring there is a robust and tested business continuity plan. Be familiar with and ensure your contracts are robust and check there is a communication strategy that actually works, however, whatever the situation is that you might need to confront. Secondly, social licence to operate. It is topical and it's increasingly important for investors and stakeholders and the world at large. It's not going to go away. It's just going to become more of a focus. Thirdly, energy transition, plan ahead, ensure there is a business strategy which is focused on the here and now, but also on the three, five, or 10 year horizons. And lastly, number four, technology. It is everywhere. It is viable. It is efficient. And it's going to increase more and more across this sector over the next three, five, 10, 15 years.
0: Thanks, Louise. Um, Yes, and each of these areas also have a number of different ramifications. Um, We could go through each of them, but we have come to the end of this episode, so we'll have to say goodbye for now. I just want to say thank you to everyone for your insights. This was really informative, and of course the sectors are very broad and very complex, so it would be great to pick up some of the things that you have said and expand more on them as part of a new episode. So I hope you can join me again for that. Thanks again for your contribution and, well, speak soon. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of BDO Rethinking Resources. If you have any questions or comments on what was discussed, please feel free to contact me or any of the other BDO team members. Catch you soon!